Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, listening and viewing audience out there. This is Ron Stefanski, host of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors, those passionate and purposeful people, the determined do-gooders out there who are making a difference. And one of the places they're making a difference is helping those of us better understand the world of work and learning as it's been completely disrupted in a 5G-wired, globally interconnected, technology-enhanced, pandemic-created uh, you know, world. And so we hope that our disruptors can give us all a better perspective on how to sort this all out. The impacts have been huge. The impacts are leading us in a direction we don't quite understand. But fortunately, as Mr. Rogers used to say, in a time of chaos, look to the helpers. There are always helpers out among us. And I'm going to tell you something. In this episode, we're going to talk about skills-based learning from one of those helpers. We're here again with Marlena Sessions, the CEO of NovaWorks, and a do-gooder and workforce warrior extraordinaire. Welcome back to another episode of Disrupt Ed, Marlena. So great to have you back and talk about one of my passion points, which is skills-based learning. So welcome back to the show. Great to see you, Ron. I love being here. Thank you. That's so great. So let's talk about skills-based learning because, again, you, as people may have heard in our previous episode, Marlena talked about a little bit about her longstanding career in workforce development. And so one of the things we talked about is that at NovaWorks, you're kind of not, uh, you're, you're reinventing uh, some of the work that you're doing, but at the same time, you're also... Um, working on some things that have long been part of the workforce arena, but just need a new refresher course, if you will. That's correct. That's correct, Ron. You know, I in my workforce development career, I always used the, the simple concept of listen to what the employer needs. Listen to industry first. And that sounds so simple, but sometimes I think we get we forget, well, let's, you know, what is what does industry need? Well, they probably need whatever we tell them they need. No, it should definitely be the opposite. It should be finding out from an employer who's doing the hiring what they need. And I think our labor market, as it, as it constantly is changing, but our labor market in the past, I'll say two years or so, has really given us an opportunity to get in with employers even more so and uh, say to them, you really need great workers. You need great talent. What's your what are your hiring practices like? Can we talk to you about that? And so there's been an opening, I'd say, for a conversation that I haven't seen in my long career in workforce development, anything like it. Um, an employer based on their own needs and and frankly, in some cases, desperate hiring needs is willing to say, huh, Maybe I need to look at how I hire. Am I filtering people out? Am I screening too many people out? Um, and again, I think this is that opportune moment where we haven't had that opening before. So our work with the Markle Foundation on skills-based hiring um, has been pretty incredible. We've had we've uh, our staff has gone through an incredible set of training. We have um, some great facilitators, and so now in our toolkit, when we approach employers. We have um, lots of great tools for them as to how to how to garner those skill-based uh, talent as opposed to maybe the pedigree or the work experience even. Uh, we've seen the, the predictors for um, somebody hiring for skills is 
much higher than someone hiring for education or or for even work experience. So in terms of retention and success on the job, the, right. the good folks at Markle have done a lot of research on this and they've come up with the fact that if someone's hiring for skills, it's five times more predictive uh, of job performance than hiring for education and more than two times more predictive than hiring for work experience. So there's a lot to unpack there. There is a lot to unpack there. And one of the things I think about immediately when you say those incredible statistics is when I hear something like that, it automatically causes me to think, you know what, we need to be moving on this across the board quickly because this is a big new best practice waiting to unfold. And yet I'm guessing that as you've approached many of your employer partners, a lot of them are still entrenched in an old paradigm of hiring and choosing and selecting talent. Is that a fair assumption or are you finding it different? It's a very fair assumption. I think there's definitely an openness and a willingness that there hasn't been before, but you have to get then down to very basics. Let's take a look at your job descriptions, if Mr. Employer, if you have them, and let's see what you require or what kinds of things you you have. Um, a, a great example, if you or I are doing some hiring and we put on our job description, excellent communication skills, you of course want that in an employee. I want that in, employee, in an employee, but we might have different definitions of what excellent communication skills are. And it's Frankly, it's a pretty vague statement when you really think about it. It is it. a vague so statement, really. Helping, helping an employer take a look at simply as something as simple as the wording on their job descriptions. Do you really need a four-year degree, or is that nice to have? Does it even have to be, um, you know, requested, required? It, it, those kinds of things. So. Um, <laughs> the work is in the work, frankly. Um, you, you can open that dialogue and say, hey, we can help you with uh, skills-based hiring and we can help you um, find more people who will be retained for you and be great employees. But then you have to do the work and sit down. It's, it's uh, laborious. You have to go through job descriptions. You have to have that willingness. And in, in some institutions, be they government or educational institutions, some of these um, hiring practices have been there as part of a you know, computerized model for, uh, for time and immemorial. And so changing, you know, shifting that ship, ship is, a, is a big, big, big deal. It takes time. It really is a big deal. And when you think about it, there are so many of us that were hired based on our portfolio, based on our uh, resume of accomplishments and, and education and credentials. And now, we, you know, many of us could look back and say, how relevant was that to my actual work? And there is a connection. I think one of the things, and I'd, I'd be interested in your feedback, Marlena, I think one of the things that's driving this in creating so much disruption is that I think for the first time in my lifetime, people are starting to question the value of a four-year degree. And I think part of, the pro part of the challenge there is because of the cost that for many, many people, it's become an unaffordable or difficult to uh, fathom proposition to go to a four-year degree. They may not have the financial means to do it. But they're also saying that certain four-year degrees don't necessarily help them in the world of work. I, I'm a little concerned about that from the standpoint that I, as a liberal arts major, I think it's important to be a liberally educated person. And I think it's also important to 
to derive skills on top of that. So I'm not an either or person. I'm an and person. But maybe you can speak to some of the experiences or some of the stories you've seen of people who have been given an opportunity uh, because of their skills and not necessarily their educational portfolio. And then maybe in turn pursued different kinds of educational opportunities after uh, they were able to use their skills to get in the door at a, at, in a job or in a, in a particular position. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm right there with you on the liberal arts. And, and certainly, I believe all education is important. All education is good education. Uh, but let's get practical, right? Let's be pragmatic back to the labor market and what's needed. We've seen a couple, a couple interesting examples to me are, I've seen a lot of uh, people come through our doors here at Nova Works. We're a career center for job seekers. And we also help, as I mentioned, the business customer. And we've seen a lot of people who have four-year degrees come in and say, you know what, I have a four-year degree, but I need to go back to a local community college and get a certificate, or I need that particular set of uh, software and, and uh, tools, et cetera, a, a shorter-term intensive training. So uh, people are finding that four-year degree was great whenever it was, but in today's market, there might be some things that I can do that are shorter-term to, to really supplement, and then boom put me right back into the labor market. So we've got a lot of that going on here at Nova. The other example, I have to give a shout out to the apprenticeship model because, you know, having an earn and learn model, which of course historically has been in the building trades, but really is now flushing out into all kinds of industries, um, cybersecurity being one that, that we would be uh, interested in, in discussing at some point. The earn and learn model really takes people where they are and it understands that, you can't stop working in order to go to school. You can be paid while earning on the job, et cetera. I have a, a local labor leader on who serves on my workforce board who tells the story of her own uh, her, herself and her husband. She is a master master's level um, educated individual, extremely successful in her work in uh, for labor unions. Her husband is a journeyman who has a GED. He makes a lot more money than she does, and so you know it's just right. that interesting. The pedigree shouldn't and, and actually less and less matters. Uh, what really matters, I, I would say, for the for the individuals in, in the workforce is what does that employer need? Getting people to that skill level and and continuing on. I mean, lifelong learning is is also, I think, part of part of our world. Yes, yes it is that, part of the workforce scheme. Yeah. For our listening and viewing audience, this is Disrupt Ed, where we're talking to one of my favorite workforce warriors, Marlena Sessions, someone I've known with full disclosure for over the past 20 years, who has just done some spectacular work, first in Seattle, then across the country, working for Grant and Associates, and now returning to her roots as a CEO at NovaWorks. And, you know, in full disclosure, we were talking about cybersecurity at the break. And I think cybersecurity is an interesting one that we're going to propose carrying on in a second episode of this because there's an individual that Marlene and I have been talking about. His name is Mark Jaster, and he is the CEO of a bootstrap startup called 418 Intelligence. And what's fascinating about what Mark's been talking about is the world of cybersecurity talent at a time when the skills gap has never been greater. It is fantastically larger challenge in the world of IT and even larger in the world of cybersecurity. This is distressing to people like me who easily get freaked out about this stuff. And it's because why? 
what we've seen over the past five years and is an explosion in the number of cyber threats to communities, to businesses, to educational institutions. Most recently, it was announced that an HBCU had been bankrupted by a ransomware attack. They simply had to close their doors because in paying the ransom, they weren't able to viably continue providing an education under the mantra of a, an HBCU. That's a tragedy. And as Mark will share, um, there's a different kind. I think the skills-based learning model is different because, as Mark has pointed out, cybersecurity people are different than the typical IT person. There are people, many of whom have started out as kids who are hackers and learn from the outside looking in how to penetrate systems. And so they need to be deployed now as forces for good to prevent those, those same hacks from happening. And that's a different kind of training than the historical go in, get a community college certificate in IT. So we're going to welcome Mark Jaster, CEO of uh, 418 Intelligence to our next episode with Marlena here. We're going to have the two of them pair up because we'll we'll be able to treat you to a private sector uh, thought leader and a public sector thought leader, a workforce warrior, to, to balance out what we need to be doing because we clearly need to be doing it differently. And I would assume that's what you're telling your employer partners time and again is we need to change it up if we're going to be able to help you. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's refreshing for an employer to realize they, by doing these more inclusive hiring practices, they are doing more inclusive hiring and finding talent they never might have considered in the past and talent that can be retained. We are um, excited that that national company, you know, global companies like IBM, Boeing, Walmart have all signed on to our Markle work. And so we're busy telling the employers in our own region, what be they a small business who really doesn't have an HR department, but needs to take a fresh look at how they hire to, again, some of these large corporations. So it really, skills-based hiring, again, such a simple concept, a simple set of words. What does it mean? It means looking at your job descriptions, looking at how you recruit, looking at where you do outreach. Uh, are you, again, reaching those pockets and those areas? And then, of course, opening up our hearts and minds to where talent might be and and very good retained talent might be having a having an open mind to what you might want to uh, train on the job. There might be things to train on the job, and, and again, that lifelong learning, that knowing that your adult learners um, may may come into the job at one level and need to go back to school, and so supporting them in that while they're your employee as well. There's just a lot to it, but again, nothing earth shattering. It's a it's a question of doing the work. Right. Well, and you mentioned doing the work. And at a recent conference, I had a privilege of talking with Mike Simonti, who's the president and CEO of American Axel. And he was talking about diversity and inclusion in the in the talent paradigm shift of, of recruiting new people that we previously hadn't thought about. And he framed it, interestingly, not as a social impact effort by his company, but in terms of the of the business need. Basically, what Mike was saying to an audience of eager listeners was, in the world of business, things have become so disrupted and so complex that sitting at the helm of a company, I don't want people that are like me at the table. I want to mix it up, and I want a fully diverse group of people who will argue with me, who will 
challenge me and who will look differently than me and as a consequence think differently than me and come from a different context than me. And uh, it sounds like that's a lot of what you're learning and uh, socializing with your employer partners is the need to break down the whole paradigm, starting with who we're looking at and who we're traditionally going after in terms of potential candidates. Absolutely. I, I say he's got the secret sauce there for sure. You know, everything from um, young people into the coming into the workforce, older workers coming back into the workforce, veterans, people who have frankly have been justice involved in the past, but it may have been a minor issue many years ago, but it's it's lingered on with them. So can we help them deal with that issue while while they're looking for work? So yes, it's a it's a wide range of individuals. Again, those who have been economically disadvantaged, those maybe some people who have never worked before but are in their middle ages, uh, middle age. So there's there's just a lot of people who, uh, again, an employer may not even be thinking in a mindset of I want this d- diverse range of folks. They they may be just thinking I need these skills. I need these skills. Well, let's take the skills and see where we can find them. You know, Marlena, you speak to this with such authority and such vision. I'm curious, as you talk to employers, uh, do you think they're beginning to uh, see examples? And I think of you as such an evangelist of this cause that as you get more success stories out there about the kind of people that are uh, hired that wouldn't previously have been considered, and then they go on and they're showing some level of success, It seems to me that socializing their stories is going to be critically important to getting your point across, because as you said at the outset, this is a heavy lift for a lot of companies. It's not because they don't want to do it. It's because they have never done it and it's new and it's just like creating a new muscle memory for them. And it's going to take a little bit of time, but nothing speaks more powerfully than success. And and to me, success in this context would be hiring someone that you would never have thought of and then seeing them uh, kick it out of the park as soon as they get to the job. Is that, you know, um, have you seen that in working with your employer partner? Absolutely. And I'd give a shout out to small businesses in this regard, um, because again, many of them are just going to be doing a one or a two hire. They're going to be very careful. They may have to be constantly looking at their bottom line. Can I afford to make this hire? So they're going to be, you know, wide open. They don't have their an HR department of their own. So they're going to be much, much broader in their thinking, I would say, um, and ability, frankly, to pivot more quickly to say, oh, yeah, let's just throw this job description out and rewrite and do it based on skills. Um, I I should also say, though, the other side of the equation, large entities are, they get it. They are large corporations, large government entities, educational entities. They're starting to look at it. For them, it's like I I said before, it's it's a bit of a a harder lift, a harder steering, if you will, of the of the big ship, because again, they've got multi-million dollar computer systems that do their hiring for them in some ways. So, um, but they're open and they're very open to being creative. Can we create um, some temporary positions that could become permanent positions? Can we open up our our um, possibilities there? Some internships, perhaps. So, I'm I'm just delighted with being able to have the dialogue. But to your point, we want to see some results and then. Uh, share some stories. Absolutely. Well, fortunately, we're talking with someone who is a known expert on this. As I mentioned in the previous episode, Marlena Session is not only a thought leader in the area of skills-based learning, but she has an extraordinarily high GS index. 
uh, GSD index, she gets shit done. So Marlena, maybe for the benefit of our audience, as we close out this episode, um, you could share some of the prescriptions for working with companies that haven't previously considered skill-based learning. Where's a good place for them to start? What are a couple of things for them to keep in mind as they're working with their talent acquisition teams to get it right and to in- introduce skills-based learning into the hiring, recruiting, and retention program? Absolutely. I think quickly, you know, figure out where where do you find people now and just blow that wide open. How are you recruiting now? Are you using all the usual areas? Well, let's throw a couple of local local neighborhood type areas you might want it. So looking geographically at where you're finding people and and adding to that, just supplementing that. And then again, looking at the words you're using in your ads or in your job descriptions. Are you unintentionally, because we all have it, an implicit bias of some sort, unintentionally screening people out, looking at does that four-year degree need to be on a, a list of qualifications or could it actually be a list of very specific skills? And And look at some of your words like excellent communicator or excellent this, excellent that. Should they be more specific? It gets, it's, uh, skills-based hiring gets very specific very quickly. It's very important. That's a really, really good way to look at it. For our listening and viewing audience, this has been an episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors and the do-gooders. And we've had the privilege of talking with Marlena Sessions about this critical paradigm shift required in the world of talent, and that is looking at skills-based learning. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we're going to invite Marlena back with an industry leader, Mark Jaster, from the private sector, who's been working on shifting the paradigm of skills-based learning into the world of cybersecurity talent, creating a new army of people that can respond to the growing threat of cyber cyber attacks. And I think you're going to find it very interesting to listen to Marlena uh, paired up with Mark talking a little bit more about where we can go specifically to improve Uh, the use of skills-based learning in the hiring of of new talent into companies. So Marlena, it is always a treat to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure and super, you know, even as I've learned so much from you over the last two decades, every time we get together, I get off the call and I say, oh my God, I hadn't thought of that. You are (laughs) such a provocateur of new thinking. Um, It's very energizing and inspiring what you do. And so I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Ron. And I really, uh, it's not just me. I have a great team that does the work every day. They inspire me. Thank you so much. Just as any great leader says, it's all about everyone else. I just want to make sure people know some of it's about this wonderful woman and workforce warrior today, Marlena Sessions. You've been listening to Disrupt Ed. Come back shortly as we have another episode with Marlena Sessions and Mark Jaster from 418 Intelligence to continue this important conversation on skill-based learning. Until then, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.